At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 449th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. Today on our podcast, we have someone who focuses on higher yield and better quality in harvests. We're talking with Marty Campfield about azomite on the farm. Marty, is Vice President of Sales and Marketing with Azomite Soil Products and has served in various positions in the agricultural, turfgrass, landscape, greenhouse, and fertilizer industries. He has traveled globally, working with everyone from the growers to the product formulators. As a former certified professional agronomist and former certified crop advisor, his experience has included focusing on optimizing soil health and crop production in conventional and organic farming systems. His overall goal has been to help companies and producers optimize yield, quality, and return on investment in their crops. Welcome to the show today, Marty. Are you ready to rock plant health? Yes, I am, Greg. It's good to be here. Thanks for being here. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today? Well, sure, I'd be glad to. I graduated from Penn State University with a degree in agronomy and began working in the fertilizer industry, uh, working first as a salesperson uh, directly with farms, Pennsylvania primarily, but then uh, expanding into some of the surrounding states like Maryland, New Jersey, and New York, et cetera. And uh, then eventually moved into the role of an agronomist which is a word that not everyone has heard before. I was going to ask you what that was. (laughs) Sure. An agronomist is really a scientist that looks at all the factors that impact agricultural production. So weather, soil, uh, nutrients, water, et cetera. And I've been working in that industry ever since, mostly for other companies, but did run my own business for about 12 years helping farmers and turfgrass managers integrate not just nutrient management, but also the uh, oncoming GIS and GPS technologies that we take for granted today when we turn on Google Maps uh, in our iPhones or our personal uh, phones and just instantly get directions and navigation. But back in the day, uh, this was a new concept and we had equipment that we would install in planters and sprayers and all kinds of farm equipment and turf grass management equipment to guide and map what was being done uh, and provide uh, very advanced software analytics to look at these maps and provide money-saving guidance for farms. Wow. Yeah, I just heard recently that there's a company here in Phoenix that is using drones to help figure out crop viability, make sure that they're getting watered well enough, make sure they're getting the right nutrients, which I thought was a very interesting use of technology. That's right. 
I think drone technology is uh, going to be a, a rapidly increasing way to monitor, like you said, to monitor what's happening in the field. And it's exciting. It uh, provides not just real-time monitoring, but can do a lot of visual uh, imaging as well. Yeah. So we're here to talk about I was almost going to say soil health, but it's really not soil health. We're talking about plant nutrient density health. And that's what you guys do at Azomite. Yes, I think that's a very interesting term you used, uh, nutrient density. This is a term that we're hearing more often, Mm -hmm. especially at some of the innovative, sustainable, and organic conferences. And what we're talking about with nutrient density refers to the amount of nutritional quality and quantity in the foods that we eat. Well, and the taste as well, right? You're right. And those impact uh, taste for certain. I think uh, good evidence of that is the store-bought tomato in the middle of winter. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and in my case, a store-bought peach, which I can't even do anymore. What we do at Azomite is we're working with a product that is a natural volcanic ash material. So when a volcano erupts, and many of us saw the uh, images of that recently with the volcanoes in Hawaii, Mm -hmm. we get the lava flow that we're all familiar with, but there's also a great volume of ash that comes out of the the volcano, and that ash usually settles uh, in an area not too far from the volcano except in the case of major volcanic eruptions, which in uh, history have actually coated the earth with ash. Right. But that volcanic ash we have a deposit of in uh, the desert of Utah, about an hour and a half south of Salt Lake City, near a little town called Nephi, Utah, which is where our home office and our mine and production facility are. And what makes this ash so special? So each eruption uh, contains some unique qualities in the ash, which can range from the nutrients that it contains to the form of the nutrients and the minerals. For example, are they crystalline or amorphous? And amorphous simply means non-crystalline. If those nutrients are in a crystalline form, they're not very bioavailable and they will take a long time to break down in the soil All right. for plants to utilize. Uh, the nutrients in azomite are about 66% amorphous. So that gives them the ability to be bioavailable. Also gives us a nice long-term breakdown along with the readily available forms. And why is that important? Well, so if you're planting a crop and you want that crop to get nutrients right away, you need those readily available nutrients. If you're in any type of a rotational ongoing cropping system or a perennial crop like hay, you're also hoping for nutrients that release over time so that you have a continual supply of what the plant needs. So that's the benefit. Nice. So we've talked about how it interacts with the soil. How does adding azomite impact the plants? What are we looking at here? Well, we're looking at what azomite is labeled as, and that is a fertilizer in most states. There are a couple states where we're listed as a soil amendment, but predominantly the product is supplying potassium, calcium, and magnesium. And those are very important elements for plant growth and yield and quality and as you mentioned earlier, nutrient density. So it there's more than that in there, though, because azomite is an acronym, right? It is, yes. Acronym uh, that stands for the A to Z of minerals, including trace elements. That's what really makes our food taste really good is the trace minerals, right? That's right. They, they contribute to that flavor. Very important. 
And why is this important for uh, us urban farmers? So if you think about the fact that in an urban landscape, and, and I like so much what you're doing, Greg, with helping inform us all about how we can convert the landscape around our house into edible plants. So in many cases, let's take, I believe in your in your booklet I read, you mentioned uh, a hedge that was made out of apple trees, correct? Oh, yes. Yep. So those apple trees are planted in that location, and they're going to be there for a lot of years. Right. They don't have the luxury of getting up and moving to uh, to ground with more nutrients in it if they if they run short. So it's up to us as the gardener and the uh, the caretaker to make sure that we're putting back into the soil the nutrients, the organic matter, and the various components that the plants need for optimal health, yield, and that nutrient density. And that's what a product like azomite can do. Uh, some of our growers talk about replenishing the soil or remineralizing the soil. And that's what the product is really good at doing. So standard fertilizers include NPK, and there's some NPK in here. Yeah, so we have a little bit of phosphorus. Uh, it's not on the label, so we really can't claim that. But we do have potassium, calcium, and magnesium on the label. Yeah, so that's what we, we talk about. There's no real organic matter to speak of because the right. product has been in the desert for about 38 million years, as the geologists tell us. Is that all? <laughs> so the reason I really found out about specifically you, and we'll talk about how I found out about azomite here in a little while, but the reason I found out specifically about you was you about three months ago, you gave a, an online webinar. Well, so we're uh, engaged in a lot of research because at azomite, we want our product claims to be based on good, solid research. Mm -hmm. So, so we know that we have the science in place, and from that we derive our marketing and sales information, so that we can guide, you know, farmers and consumers into into utilizing the right product and know that it's it's really going to do what uh, we claim it will do. And Dr. Raj Khanna, who was on the webinar, spoke to this a lot about how the plant uh, utilizes these minerals. So anyone who would like to hear the webinar, Greg, can go to azomite.com and then click on the results tab. Oh, nice. And go down to the webinar and listen into the webinar. We'll uh, actually have that on the show notes page as well. If you're particularly interested in soil health and nutrient density, go listen to this webinar. It was really very good. Oh, thank you. So conventional growers, they're transitioning to sustainable and organic growing at an ever-increasing rate. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there are several factors driving that. One is there are particular vertical integrators in the agriculture community that are trying to get value-added food products that they can then take uh, into uh, either animal production, uh, feeding, or into the uh, human consumer chain and have confidence about the nutrient quality of the food. So in some cases, there may be opportunities for farmers to grow a particular variety in a particular method, you know, either a highly sustainable method or organic, where these vertical integrators can then uh, be assured of the food all the way through the chain, mm -hmm. food quality, et cetera. So they're really improving right. the, the food system in general. That's right. And then in, in other cases, I think there's a growing awareness of soil health, like you mentioned. Farmers may look at their soil and say, you know, it's been farmed the same way since my grandfather farmed here. Have we paid enough attention 
to the microorganisms in our soil mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the, the earthworms and all the natural systems that can contribute to healthy plants and, and good growing conditions. So they may be looking at some additives other than just uh, the typical fertilizers, lime and other inputs that they've used in the past to, you know, to bolster those and to add some value there. I discovered you guys about four years ago. One of my longtime friends, Jake Mace, started using your product and talked about it a lot on his YouTube channel. And we looked into it and now we've integrated it into our fruit tree program here in town where everybody that plants a, a fruit tree plants a pound of it of azomite in the hole with the tree. So how have you seen, you know, home garden users integrating this product and how should we use it? Yeah, very good question. What's nice about the product is that it comes in five different grades, uh, which include three grades of powder from a very fine product called Ultrafine, which can be put into a sprayer or uh, through irrigation systems. Mm-hmm providing that there's agitation because the product really doesn't become a a true solution or go into solution. It's a suspension. So the fine particles are suspendable in water or other, uh, you know, liquids. So the product can be used as a powder, you know, through those systems or hand applied. Even some people will hand apply it around their plants, just putting the powder on the soil. Mm -hmm. That powder can also be added to compost anywhere from a 5 to 10% inclusion rate in compost. Wow. And we have a number of potting soil manufacturers who will formulate the product, including azomite, once again, at about that 5% to 10% inclusion rate. I don't want to skip over one thing. You said it can be put in a liquid. So that's for use as a foliar that we would actually spray on the plants, right? Yes. That's a really innovative way to use the product. And plants do take up nutrients through their foliage. Mm -hmm. And then it can also be put through irrigation or, you know, in a home situation, a watering can. Put into a watering can and water it around the soil and near the plants. Yeah, that's what I tell people. Foliar feeding can be as simple as putting an ounce of fish emulsion and some azomite in a gallon of water, stir it up and pour it over the tree. And then we also have a granular formulation that's very much like the fertilizer you're buying for your home lawns, Mm -hmm. little granules. And so that lends itself to easy uh, spreading through a lawn spreader or, you know, for farmers they are using very large spreading equipment. It can be blended with fertilizers. So we have some uh, commercial fertilizer producers that blend azomite into a fertilizer blend. And then we have a pelleted material which is the powder that's pushed through an extrusion pelletizer, creates about a two and a half millimeter pellet. That product breaks apart very quickly in water into small particles. So that's another option for spreading and uh, handling. And why would I be using the different types? I mean, I can get the powder for foliar, but what's, what's the need for the other varieties? So if you're spreading this product on your lawn or on a small farm or a large farm, handling powder is going to be dusty and difficult to spread evenly. That's where the granular or the pelleted material comes in very well for ease of handling and spreading. Yeah, that's why I like the granular for our fruit tree program. It's less, much less dusty. And actually, it's not dusty. The granular is not dusty at all. Right. So I'm going to shift a little bit on you. And I want to ask you, if you were starting a farm, what would you be thinking about how would you select the inputs and what would you want to grow? Yeah, that's, I think we could talk for an hour about that one, Greg. <laughs> so I did uh, grow Christmas trees for a few years. Wow. Um, as my, 
my kids were heading towards college, I thought, you know, I'm going to need some extra income here. So I bought some very small Christmas tree seedlings. Uh, they were just two oh, two years in the seedling bed, and some of them were a little older than that. Planted those in my yard. So there you go. There's mm-hmm. the urban farm. Yeah, there you go. Had neighbors coming over saying, what on earth are you going to do with all those thousand Christmas tree seedlings? I said, well, we will find a place for them. And lo and behold, found a neighbor that had uh, about four acres available. And so I rented some ground and began planting trees and raising trees. And so I think to answer your question, if I was starting a farm today in a general way, I would look at what are my goals? Uh Is it income? Is it food for myself? Uh, food for the community, or I'm going to be selling this to local grocery stores, or am I going to go into the main food chains? So what are my goals? And then how can I optimize profitability? And one of the key ways to do that is to go direct to the consumer as much as possible with a few middlemen. So with my Christmas trees, for example, I sold those directly to people I knew. Uh And then I would contact buyers who could take, you know, 700 trees at a time and and I would sell directly to them. That is a cool, interesting business. Yeah. And I wanted to comment on that too recently because I saw something in California that really intrigued me. Uh, I was taking those trees and spending 12, 13 years raising them to a saleable point. And I was walking into uh, one of the markets, an organic kind of food market around Christmas time. And I'm sure you and others have noticed this, but I saw these little Christmas trees about two feet tall in little pots, Yep. all ready to be sold to uh, those of us that, you know, have a home and just want a small Christmas tree on the table. And they were selling those for about twice as much as I got paid for my 12-year-old trees. Wow. Yeah. And that's a, you know, that's a perfectly good small solution there. So you have to look at your market. You have to look at what you want to do and why you want to do it. And uh, then you begin making decisions about what you're going to grow, how you're going to grow it, what your market's going to be ahead of time, because you don't want to get plants halfway done or near harvest and all of a sudden figure out you're not sure where you're going to move them or market them. One of my friends who owns Gotham Greens in New York City, she told me, her name is Jen Nelkin, she told me one day when we were on the phone, she said, Greg, before the seed is ever planted, the the plant is sold, essentially. That's great. Yeah. Very good. That's a great way to go with it. And then I would want to be using natural inputs wherever possible. You know, for me, I think it's important to minimize chemical exposure wherever we can. Yep. Both personally and in the environment. Uh, There may be times when we need it for certain uh, pest outbreaks or something, but uh, utilizing natural inputs is great. And one of the exciting things I've seen in my work with Azomite is getting onto a lot of organic farms across the U.S., where growers are using, like you said, fish emulsions and other products, fulvics and humic acids, rhizobia, and really doing an excellent job of high-quality food production in these natural environments. Well, and I'm seeing a whole lot more of, I don't quite know the right word, compacted, high-productive spaces where they're growing a lot in a small area, uh, and they're really working on creating healthy soil uh, because what they've found, I think what they've found is that the healthier the soil, the quick, more quickly they can grow them and turn their crop over. Thoughts on that? Well, yes, you're right. Uh, just like your hedgerow, utilization of terraces, or excuse me, wrong word, trellises. Trellises, yep. Uh, well, and terraces know, allows, for that matter, too. Okay, on steep hillsides, right. But trellises allow us to grow vertically and to take a tree, take an apple tree that might have been 
back in our grandfather's day, a tree that was 20, 25 feet tall and 15 feet in diameter. And now we've got trees on trellises that are seven feet tall and two or three feet in diameter Mm -hmm. growing along a trellis and producing, you know, abundant crops. So very exciting. Yeah, it is. And that's actually, there's a term for that in the realm that I, that I teach and that's uh, backyard orchard culture. And in backyard orchard culture, we like to keep the trees so that you can harvest them standing on the ground. They're easier to manage that way. Yeah. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. That's a good question, but also a hard question. Sometimes it's hard to talk about our failures, right? Yeah. (laughs) Well, they're learning opportunities, really. That's right. That's the way to look at that. So I I do think back to one of my first encounters as a fresh salesman out of college and uh, wide-eyed and I was going to go set the world on fire. I decided to start calling on some of the coal mine soil remediation companies in the area where I worked to get some diversification from standard agriculture. And these were companies who were going in after coal had been stripped and the topsoil had been pushed back and they were trying to remineralize that soil and seed it and get some things to grow. And I was told it was a tough industry. These people were, you know, they were hardcore people to work with. They're spending their life out in the mountains and working on hard soil and all of that. But I said, hey, great challenge. Let me add it. So I got out there and began calling on one of the larger companies and found the decision maker and spent some days driving in his truck with him to these different sites and learning the business and talking to him about our product. This was before Azemite. And, you know, I had, I had thought how great it would be to get a sale here, but I never really in my mind's eye took the step of seeing myself complete that sale and make that sale and really make it happen. And all of a sudden, one day I called on him and he said, hey, you know, I'm ready to make this decision. I think you've uh, convinced me about the product and I've got my checkbook. I'm ready to write a check. How much do you need? Wow. It was a large order. Uh-huh. And what happened was I froze because I hadn't taken the step to visualize this happening. And I just got nervous. And I said, uh, you know, let me get back to you with the price. I'll come back and see you next week. And because I didn't have the confidence to give him a price, let him write the check and take the order, I lost that order. And that was the end of it. And I learned an important lesson from that, which was make sure that you are mentally prepared when you walk into something to take it all the way through to completion, see yourself doing it so that when that time comes, you're ready to act. When visualizing, especially, you know, when you're running your own business, that's, you know, what I've done for decades now, when you're running your own business, that's a key piece of it. You, you know, have to ask for the order, whatever that looks like. Yeah. That may be the guy asking the girl to marry him. Or uh, the soccer player running down the field, hoping to score, and all of a sudden uh, they've got the ball at their feet and an open goal, and can they make the shot, right? Yeah, exactly. So what do you consider your biggest success? So I'm going to stay in the sales realm for that one. Recently landed the largest sale of my career. Congratulations. Which has been really, you know, thank you. And it's been exciting. It's taken a lot of teamwork at our company, and I think one of the things that that I had to learn along the way too was to make sure, uh, just like when we're communicating with a person, we need to make sure that the person's understanding the way that we're communicating. We may think we're saying all the right words and doing things right, but it's really what the person's hearing that's important. 
And so dealing with this company, which is a very large global company, you know, they have a certain way of doing business, which is not perhaps as personal Mm -hmm. or as uh, relationship oriented. But, you know, I had to learn through my career there to work with companies the way they want to be dealt with. Right. Follow the protocols, did what they wanted along the way, uh, provided product when they needed it for testing and just followed all the steps. And lo and behold, uh, it's come to fruition. It's very exciting. And that's a success I could talk about, I think, because it's, it's a good team. It's a good team success. Yeah. And what drives you? What drives me? Well, Greg, I think like yourself, I see a lot of passion in you about helping people. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the things that drives me. I like to not just help people, but also get them to think a little bit outside the box, consider new ideas or ways of doing things that they might not have been open to before. Yes. And then when I see them adopt that, like it might be foliar feeding, like you said earlier, you take a grower who's never done foliar feeding before and, and you bring this concept of getting nutrients in through the leaves. And now we're going to use five pounds per acre instead of 50 pounds per acre in the soil. And so there's a lot of reluctance to believe this could happen. But seeing these people do this and realize the production occurred, the quality occurred, the costs were lower, the return on investment is higher. There's nothing more satisfying than helping people like that. Yeah. It's bonuses all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Okay. Well, you actually have to let me recommend two books. Okay, good. <laughs> all right. Um, the first one is is the Bible. I mean, I read the Bible. I try to read it every day with my breakfast. Uh-huh. I just have, have not found any other book that provides that wisdom and insights, uh, practical knowledge that I just really thrive on. So that's the first one. And secondly, kind of as far as a commercial book, would be one I discovered about eight years ago called The New Science of Getting Rich by an author called Wallace Waddles, W-A-T-T-L-E-S. Isn't that an amazing book? That's from the 1920s. You've read the book? I have. I have a copy of it on my shelf. All right. Well, you know, like reading the Bible every day, I, for about five years, read that book every single day. Yep. And it's very transformative. The two things I think it really helped me grow in were developing an attitude of gratitude. Big time. Yeah. And secondly, the whole part about visioning mm-hmm. and taking, taking faith to the point of visioning and believing and seeing in your mind's eye something before it has happened is very, very powerful. I'm sure a lot of our listeners know this. Yeah, as if it's already happened. That's it, right there. Janice, uh, Janice helps me. Well, I hired Janice as my assistant about four years ago, and she now actually manages me. And she loves how I speak things into existence. She calls them our bacon gods that show up and save (laughs) save our bacon, right? And it's, for me, I've been doing this visualization thing for decades, and it's amazing to me how quickly it can manifest itself. Mm-hmm. And so she sees that and calls them our baking gods. So You know, I think one of the evidences of that that's kind of humorous is if you're looking for a new car and yes. you've decided you're going, to get, you're going to get a red, you know, certain make and model car, all of a sudden you start seeing them everywhere. Everywhere, yes. On the road. You know, like I never noticed these cars before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what one piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Well, I would go back to the gratitude part. 
you know, really, I think if we can all work every day to just keep developing an ever-expanding attitude of gratitude, it's life-changing. Mm-hmm. It is for me, and I know for the people I know who practice that it is. Me too. And I need to work on it. I need to work on it every day. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Marty. It's been a delight chatting with you. Well, thank you, Greg. I, I really like what you're doing, and it's exciting how you're taking all this good knowledge and practical common sense about transforming our urban settings into productive landscape. Well, thank you. So how can our listeners find out more about Azamite and contact you and maybe even buy some product and use it? Sure. Well, so we have a Facebook page, Azamite, and of course a website, azamite.com. So they'll find us on social media and can connect that way or through our website. And I think that's really the best way to go about it. Uh, on our website, we have a where to buy or where to find locator with a nice map and you can put in your zip code or your town and find a local distributor if you want to deal directly with somebody like a lawn and garden center or an agricultural distributor uh-huh. other than that you can certainly google it and uh, the products for sale by quite a few online distributors perfect i wonder if we're listed on azomite site because we sell it for our fruit tree program so if you go to urbanfarm.org and the top right go to the store you can actually buy some and we'll ship it to you great Excellent. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash azomite. We are your urban farming resource. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and everywhere podcasts are found. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.